for anyone out there, you got to know everybody's been talking, at least within within my community. So many people have been talk, talking about Pal World. It is the number one game by revenue on Steam over the last week. It is also number one in terms of concurrent and peak players. Um, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the game, whether it should have made more money or not, you know, in terms of the business model, in terms of like, you know, calling it an overnight success versus, you know, it being developed over time. But this blog post that you're seeing on screen here was was published three days before their launch. And I found it to be really, really like I was riveted just just reading through this blog post because it's very honest and it's very insightful in terms of speaking to a lot of the challenges faced by the development team. And so let me just read you the first part of this, uh, okay, which is really interesting, right? So here it starts with, the road to this point has been a long one. Looking back, I feel like I took a detour. It's a series of unnecessary failures. I stumbled over and over again in places I shouldn't have stumbled over if I had known. I didn't know things that industry experts should know because we were a group of amateurs. How am I going to do this? I started out know not knowing everything. However, that detour led me to make connections with people and form the team I have today. It was because we were a group of amateurs that we were able to create a method that was not bound by industry conventions. Um, oh, just this last part, if we, a company called Pocket Pair, were a group of professionals from the game industry, had raised funds and were in a cash-rich state, the game Power World would not have been born in this world. So anyway, I think it's just a really great um, story. It has a lot of interesting lessons and takeaways that I think that people can learn from. And so I definitely recommend anyone, if you are a game developer, even if you're a gamer and just interested in the the discipline of game development, it's it's a really great read. Some of the key takeaways and lessons for me from the post, including discussions on the importance of building experience over time. This was not their first game. They had built a number of other games that had led them to create the kind of capabilities that they needed to make this game. But even with this game, they didn't have a lot of, as they were saying, they were amateurs. There's a lot of things that they didn't know about. And so they made a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, as, as I just read about, there is also an advantage to being an amateur because you don't know anything about the traditional ways of doing things, the typical constraints that may have limited other game developers. They didn't have those constraints. So it was really interesting. They made so many mistakes in terms of like um, using a rig, animations, uh, as you know, kind of their their the way that they were doing their their repo, to you know so many other things that 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 they did, and so definitely think you should um, read it. Uh, yeah, the other thing they they switched from Unity to Unreal. They talked about how <laughs> painful that was, but I think overall, I, you know, some of the key things that I I think for me that were really inspiring was the fact that they were an amateur team. And they talk about all the miracles that they needed for them to actually achieve the success and also overall kind of like the love and attention required to make a great product. So if you're, again, if you couldn't recommend reading this more, I don't know what you thought about it, Arthur, um, if you have any thoughts. It's, it's, 
the amateurness and transparency that we're witnessing here from this blog post that is pretty much selling power. Like we are talking about the indie craze at the beginning of this podcast, like are indie games going to take over? And I think it's really supplemented by the community effort of recognizing that these are made by like game developers, made by like real people not like publishers not like investors or executives making decisions these are people that made decisions on their own made mistakes and because of that it's recognizing value to where it contributed to power of success a lot of people are very you know we'll get to this later but i'll use nintendo here as an example uh there's just a lack of feedback being um received towards nintendo of like their games their products and power world here opens up this alternative Pokemon S game uh, that w- just the entire you know gamer community just welcomes. They want it's a breath of fresh air. We've seen a lethal company with amazing feedback and communication with the single developer of that game. Yeah, you know that that's a good example. I think the other really good example is look at Battlefield and how a small team, the guys that made Battlebit Remastered, were able to create. A, you know, a more compelling and more successful experience. So, yeah, I mean, game development's tough, but at the same time, I do think I, these guys are proving there's still lots of opportunity out there, and we really are limited by our imaginations and also just by the love and passion of the team. Like these guys overcame so many obstacles; it's it's pretty crazy. But is- speaking, oh, go go ahead, Arthur. It is, it is crazy. Like I was hearing stories from other people, like it started with one guy, then they hired like, you know, three other people. They did like some fundraising for it. And then I believe it was Microsoft because they wanted a game for their um, game pass store or something that like helped them fund to get to 40 developers, which is why I heard. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think another lesson, I, I'm just kind of uh, also remembering if the story of PayPal, and I don't know if people are aware of this, but when PayPal started, uh, it was actually the combination of two companies, X.com, which was run by Elon Musk, and then PayPal, which was uh, run by Peter Thiel. Now, Elon was the CEO of that organization, at, at the combined entity at the time. But it turns out like there was a podcast where one of the early employees talked about how Elon had brought in all these like ex-banker guys. And then Peter Thiel had just brought in a lot of really smart, dedicated, passionate people who didn't have finance and banking background, but who wound up actually being the leaders and overtaking the people with the banking experience in in terms of, you know, the leadership at PayPal over time. And so this just goes to show you, like one of the other stories in this blog post is about how a 20-year-old convenience, like a part-time convenience store clerk became like their their combat and guns guy. (laughs) You know, it's just, so it just, so crazy how passion, dedication, love for the craft and for what you're doing can just overcome so many obstacles and create a massive success that we're seeing today. It's it's a fantastic story. Like we've seen it with Lethal Company, we've seen it with Battle Bit, and now we're just seeing it again with Power World. And it's toppling PUBG. Like we thought that's the king of concurrent players on Steam, and here we go. <laughs> I saw a meme on Twitter recently was saying the recipe for successful game is something that's like a niche under $30 and uh, is made by a couple of people. And that's all you need to make a successful game nowadays. Yeah. 
You know, I, I think another thing that I was reading was like, um, and he talks about it in the blog post is like how people are complaining about the innovation. There's no innovation in Power World. And, but I, I, I think the thing that, um, the, the way that I would kind of argue a little bit in terms of innovation is that the Japanese actually historically have kind of a model. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure it's like every game studio, but when, when you talk to like some of the game creatives in Japan, they talk about something that they call the DNA model. And the DNA model is a cross. So you take the gameplay from one genre and you take the systems from another and you just cross them. And, and especially in the mobile side in Japan, that's, that is essentially a product strategy is DNA crossing. And you can say that, you know, are human beings uh, innovative? Well, you know, fundamentally, if you think about the foundation of life on earth, it's through these kinds of DNA crossings and pairings and, you know, the, the evolution of us is, is kind of in that way. And so, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that analogy that I'm making resonates with people, but I would say that, um, you know, what they did, I would consider to be pretty innovative. 